The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Well, I just want to echo what Pastor Stephen was saying with the media team because, man, let me tell you, God has used this ministry already in such a profound way, and he's going to continue to use it. One of the things that is really on our heart to do moving forward that we believe God has called us to is to utilize the video that we have to be able to stream it live, not only online for our church family and for you to be able to maybe invite other people to church, maybe give them a larger window to be able to peek through, to be able to kind of check Word of Grace out before they make the commitment to actually step through the doors and come and check it out in person. But beyond that, the the bigger scope of that is that we want to leverage this to be able to get into places where people can't get to us. And two places in particular that God has put on our heart is nursing homes and in the jails and prisons. And God has given us favor in both of those arenas to where we actually have open doors in both of those areas to be able to bring what we do here on Sunday morning with our morning worship and actually invite those that are either incarcerated or those who are living in an assisted living place to be able to bring what we do here at Word of Grace to them. And we don't just want to bring the video signal into both of these places because anyone could do that. Anyone could just bring another church service for them to watch. No, we want to invite those who are incarcerated, those who are in assisted living, we want to invite them to actually be a part and to participate. So we're not only taking our video signal, but we're taking Team WOG, which is our volunteer structure here at Word of Grace, and we're also taking our community groups, which is one of our strongest uh, models of discipleship that we have here at Word of Grace, and we're taking versions of that into the jails and into the nursing homes as well, inviting those who are there to be a part of Word of Grace. So it's not just sit there in a chair and watch what we do, it's say, it's, hey, come be a part. And one of the strongest things that I think is going to happen, this is just kind of me dreaming a little down the road, so dream with me for just a second, is I can see God using this outreach to the jails and prisons to build a bridge of connection between those who are incarcerated and their families on the outside. Whether it be a girlfriend, a son, a daughter, a husband, whatever it may be that may be on the outside, that they could actually be ministered to and belong and be connected here at Word of Grace as a part of our church family while their loved one may be behind bars. And then when their loved one gets out, they have a healthier on-ramp to get in a healthy circle of people that they already know. Because what's going to happen when people who are incarcerated get out a lot of times They're looking for connection because they've been disconnected for so long. The only connections that they had before they were incarcerated probably weren't the best connections to start with. And so to keep them from just gravitating back towards those connections that maybe weren't as helpful, now they're going to be connected to a church family of people that care about them, love them, want to help them, want to love their families, want to minister to them. That's just one of the things I can foresee happening And I just know that God's going to use this in a powerful way and also to love on and connect those and give purpose to those who are still in nursing homes that maybe have lost purpose, that have lost that sense of why am I even alive? I'm just waiting to pass away. No, no, no. If you're still sucking air, God still has a purpose for you. Amen? And we want to help those people to be able to feel like they still matter and they still have a purpose. So this media team and what we're doing is much bigger than just running a camera. Running a camera is very important and that's a part of it and we need people to do that. But there are other things that are going to empower us and open doors and help us to do these things. And we want to do it well. We want to do it with excellence. We want to make sure that we do it all in God's timing. So we're working on an active plan to be able to roll this thing out. But there's still some prep work that we need to do before we could be able to say yes to those open invitations that we already have. We have open invitations to two of the largest um, uh, nursing home facilities uh, pretty much in our area. And then we also have open invitation to the jail as well. So it's just a matter of us getting on board, saying yes, raising our hand, saying, Lord, here am I. What do you want me to do? And so go to this worship invitational. Uh, I mean, not worship invitational. Go to this media team invitational uh, and just hear Pastor Stephen's heart. Hear what he has to say. Sign up for that. He's going to feed you. Come on. Right? <clears throat> so we want to make this as easy as possible so you can hear his heart because God is doing some big things here at Word of Grace. <clears throat> and we're getting excited 
about our rollout of our online stream. We're going to be rolling out with a brand new website and an online stream November the 4th. So those of you who remember us talking back in January of this past year, we had to bump our date back. We wanted to launch in September, but as, uh, as, as things began to kind of unfold and we began to discover what we needed, it was this thing, this thing, this thing. And before you know it, we, we had to delay our launch. So we are going to launch. November 4th is our launch date. And so we are really excited about that. And thank you for all those who've been working so hard, helping make all that ready. Uh, one more thing that I wanted to share with you from my heart, just to cast a little vision, is that maybe you followed us on social media and you've seen or heard of this thing called Lakeside Leadership. And you've seen like, what is that? What's Lakeside Leadership all about? That's something God put on my heart over a year ago to start and through much prayer and much work, and we finally launched it at the Global Leadership Summit, and we let everyone know about it. And our first gathering is going to be this coming Wednesday, October 3rd, and anyone can come. It doesn't matter if you're a manager or a leader or a boss of people. That's not just who this is for. This is literally for anyone who wants to grow because everyone has leadership at some level because everyone has influence, and leadership at its core is influence. And so we would love for you to come. If you can make it, we are going to feed you lunch. It's something about feeding and getting people here. It's like we're saying, there's food. Come. We promise the content is going to be awesome. I have a great team that's been working on making sure the environment is going to be awesome as well. And we're really excited. We're going to do this once a month. And there's also a website that we've created, lakesideleaders.com. And a lot of our staff, as well as other people in the area who don't necessarily go to Word of Grace, but who are influencers in our, in our area, they're contributing to our blog. So every week there's a new blog post. There's going to be video interviews on there and, and video podcasts, as well as the monthly talk where we're going to go through how to get better. Because we believe that when a leader gets better, that everyone wins. Because it's going to touch everyone and everything that you touch. And so we're really excited. So if you have a desire to grow, I need you to do something for me. Just sign up, all right? Because if you don't sign up, we don't know how much food to prepare, and that's not cool, especially when you're giving it away, right? So we want you to sign up. So just go to the website, go under the events section, and you'll see how to sign up. No cost at all. And it's at the noon hour, the first Wednesday of every month. So it's going to be real easy to remember. So just come and have lunch with us. If you want to bring your own lunch, do that too. Uh, and we would love to see you there. So I'd love to see our church family support this. As you see those things on social media, do us a favor. Help us to spread the word, share those things, like those things. That helps us a lot to get the word out there because we want so many people in our area to just be blessed by the ministry here at Word of Grace. Amen, somebody? Well, why don't we take this vision casting over our media ministry, and why don't we take Lakeside Leadership, and why don't we take the remainder of our time together today to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just want to stop for a minute. And we want to acknowledge who you are. Holy is your name. You are awesome, God. You have done more for us than we could ever do for you. We could never tip the scales in our favor by trying to outdo what you've done for us. And we just want to stop and acknowledge who you are and the fact that we get to do this. And somehow you invite us and want us to be a part of your plan. And it doesn't make sense because you could do it all on your own because you're that big and you're that awesome. But you, you have reached out to us and put callings and giftings and given us relationships and given us influence and given us resources so that we could be included in your plan. And for that, God, we don't deserve that. But you said you wanted us to be a part because it brings glory to you. So, Lord, let these ministries be a glory, Father. Bring glory to no one else but you. Not to word of grace, not to any individual, but to you and you alone. And we want to acknowledge, Lord, that we are here for your glory. And we want to serve you. And we want to give our bodies as a living sacrifice, Lord, because you're worth it. We say you're worth everything, God. And so help us, God, as we seek to serve you and to please you and to do, as, do what we're doing as under the Lord. And that this is your church and we are your people. And you've called each one of us and put giftings and talents in us, Lord. Help us to know where you're calling us to raise our hand and say yes to. To help move your kingdom agenda forward and the gifts that you've given us forward. And the calling that you have on this local church body forward. Help us to do that. Now we give you this time. And we say, Lord, it's yours. Do in us what you want to do. Use me to speak what you want me to speak. 
And Holy Spirit, make it applicable to every person's life so we cannot just be hearers of the word, but doers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue in our series called Training Ground this morning, and we're going to call this message The Heart of Worship. So we've talked about how to study your Bible. We've talked very in-depth about the process of biblical hermeneutics by bringing in Dr. Bob Utley. And then we talked about prayer, and I hope that you've been praying, and not only do I hope that you've been praying, but I hope that when you've told people you were going to pray for them, that you actually stopped and you actually did so. And then last week, we talked even more about this as we're just growing in what God has called us to do and exactly where he wants us to go. So to those of you who are here in the room, those of you who are in the comments, and those of you who are joining us online, we want you to know that your growing in Christ is encouraging. It is encouraging to our church body. It's encouraging to me as a pastor. Just this past week, I received several messages from people that said they were encouraged to pray and they actually did it. Man, I don't know what greater message that a pastor could get via text or an email or on Facebook where someone said, hey, God convicted me about this whole prayer thing and I need to get back into this and I need to start praying. And someone told me, I prayed for you this morning and I'm praying for you again tonight. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that you're actually praying and that you're not just saying, hey, I'll pray for you but that we're actually doing what we say that we're going to do. That encourages me to know that God is moving and you're putting into practice the things that are being taught here at church. And I just think it's awesome. So I hope that today will be another day of growth where it doesn't just become something that you hear and it sounds like a good theory or a good idea or maybe you take some really good notes and you just fill up you know, front and back pages in, your, in a notebook, but that you actually take this word and that you actually do something with it. That's my hope for you today. So we've talked about the Bible, we've talked about prayer, and I want us to dive into worship. So what is worship? Why do we do it? And how should we expect to worship God? So let's start with the first question. What is worship? Worship is the total life response to who God is and what he has done. It's so much more than just singing songs. I know that we like to categorize saying, oh, we're going to worship God and we're going to sing praises to him. And that's great. And that's definitely a part of it. That's a slice of the pie. That's definitely one part of this definition of worship. But if we just left worship as singing, because some people hear this, that we're going to worship God forever when we're in heaven. Have you ever heard that before? Anybody ever heard that? We're going to worship God forever when we're in heaven. And some of you are like, I don't like singing. Heaven sounds awful. I know it's supposed to be good. Maybe God will change my heart, and I'll like singing when I get to heaven. But right now, I'm just not that big of a fan. No, it's not just singing, folks. That's not all worship is. Worship is this response. And remember, it's a total life response, not just a Sunday morning response. Hello, somebody. It's a total life response to who God is and what he's done. There's one part to God that we need to recognize. It's just who he is that should cause and stir in my heart a desire to worship him and for my life to just respond to who he is because if he's never done anything for me at all, just who he is alone and the fact that now not only is he amazing and he is awesome and he's holy, but he's done so much for me. The very air that I'm breathing, the very existence that I'm experiencing, it all belongs to him if I am his son or if you're his daughter because we should be responding to the goodness of God. Every bit of passion given to us by God is for God. Worship encompasses our whole life as a response to God. Matthew 22 and 37, Jesus said this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said all, every single time. He didn't say a portion. He didn't say when it's convenient. He didn't say when it makes sense, you know. No, he said all. All means all. It means everything. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And worship is so much more than a church service. It's so much more than a song we sing. It's a lifestyle lived as a response to who God is and what he has done. 
And what worship is, is it's a stirring that turns into action. Have you ever been stirred before to do something for God? Maybe on a Sunday morning, you hear a sermon, I don't know, at just some random church, maybe Sheboygan Falls region, you're really inspired, you're really excited to do something for God, and you're like, I need to do something for God, and you're just motivated, and there's something in you, there's, there's maybe this emotion that's stirred, or maybe there's just something you just want to jump out of your skin and just go do something for God, you're just so excited, or maybe you feel so convicted, or you just feel such a weight of responsibility that you've never felt before, and you I want to do something, man, that stirring in you is wonderful, I love the stirring, I thank God for the stirring, we sang this morning about being stirred. God, stir a passion in our heart. The stirring is awesome. But what are you going to do with it? I love the stirring. I thank God for the stirring. Some people just stop right there at the stirring. Some people just always want to be stirred. They always want to feel. I want to feel. I want to feel. I want to feel. I want to be stirred. I want to be stirred. I want to be stirred. And they come to church expecting to walk out feeling good and feeling stirred. You want to know how to grow, how to continue, or what the purpose of the stirring is? You put it into action. Hello, somebody. You do something with it once you walk out of the doors of a Sunday morning service or your devotional time with God or out of your small group. When you walk out of those times of inspiration, maybe you heard something on the radio and it made you have to pull over and cry. You were so moved. That's awesome. I'm glad you had that experience. What's next? What's next? Because God just doesn't stir us for the sake of stirring us. He wants us to take that stirring and do something with it. Amen, somebody? He wants us to be people of action because faith without works is dead is what James says. It's great to be stirred. It's great to trust in God. But the response should be a result of the awe that you have for who God is and what he's done. We've got to start there. In Proverbs 9 and 10, Scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Me being in awe of God, me recognizing His holiness, me recognizing His purity, me recognizing how amazing and awesome that He is. Man, if I want wisdom in my life, i got to start with that type of heart position. I have to start with that type of attitude. If I don't have that, then I'm just always looking to be stirred all the time. Stir me up, God. Stir me up, God. I just need to be stirred again. No, no, no. It's not just be stirred. It's do something with the stirring because the awe of who God is and what he's done, the gratefulness, the thankfulness should cause a response. We understand this in our natural person-to-person relationships. If someone does something really awesome for you, what do you want to do for them? I want to do something back, right? There's just something in you. My wife and I went to Canada to celebrate our 17th anniversary uh, a couple weeks ago, took a motorcycle trip up there, and while we were up there, we took out some time to go meet a couple of people that I was friends with but had not met face-to-face. We only had an online relationship, and so met some of these friends that I had known for a couple of years, and actually one of these guys, when we went into his home, He just blessed us so much. I mean, he and his wife cooked us this amazing steak dinner. First time ever meeting them face to face. It was a little scary. He wanted to show us the basement. I was like, yeah, I think we're good. (laughs) I didn't really know this guy, but I knew him from online. And when we spent some time together, they were great people. They were awesome. And then they loaded us up with all these gifts. You know, the Canadians, they, you know, they, they deal in maple syrup. That's their currency. And so he had to load us up with some maple syrup. Remember, we're on a motorcycle, so we don't have a ton of room. And I'm a little, you know, nervous about putting maple syrup in my, on my motorcycle. But then he heard it was my son's birthday. And he had this huge Lego set. And he said, here, why don't you give this to your son for his birthday from us? Just really just met this guy person to person, face to face for the first time. And I was going, oh, my goodness. And so his wife collects, like, Disney stuff, right? And she has knickknacks everywhere in her house. And she went and showed us all her little knickknacks and all this stuff, and it was really cool. And they had this big puzzle on the wall. And this big puzzle that they had was really cool. It was in a frame, except there was a problem. There was one piece missing in that puzzle. And it was like a thousand-piece puzzle. And doesn't that just drive you nuts? Those of you that are like puzzle folks, you love doing the puzzles. And I said, where's this? What's the story with the one piece that's missing? She said, oh, the dog ate it. And how many of you guys have had a dog... 
eat a puzzle piece. I mean, I'm sure that those of you that are super uh, enthusiastic about puzzles, you have had that happen if you have a dog in the house or a child. <laughs> and she didn't want to search for that extra piece, and I don't blame her. Uh, and so all of the things they did for us and the, the, the blessing that they were to my wife and I, when we got home, what do you think the first thing I did was? I found the puzzle, I searched and searched, I took a picture of it, I found it on Amazon, which everything's on Amazon, and then shipped it over to Canada, had to pay some US dollars and some maple syrup, and I got it over. Why did I do that? What motivated me to do that? You understand that, because you've had similar experiences where someone's done something for you, it kind of blew your mind. And your natural response, did someone, did someone teach me to do that? Did someone tell me I needed to do that? No. No one educated me on how to do that or the fact that I should do that. I was stirred. I was moved by what was done for me. And because I was moved by what was done for me, I wanted to respond. And my response was, let me find a way to bless you. Folks, God has done so much more for us than we could ever do for one another. But yet we understand the response between person to person. Folks, let me tell you something. In light of what God has done, as Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg you, I plead with you, by the mercies of God, in light of God's mercy, you should present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. It is your reasonable act of worship. It's a reasonable response. The reasonable response is the action, not the stirring. I want you to be stirred, but the reasonable response is the action. Worship is the stirring that turns into action. The stirring can be emotional. The stirring can be spiritual. It can be mental. But the stirring is the thing that causes you to say yes. It's the thing that says, yes, I'll lay down my life. I'll give anything to you, God. I'll be willingly inconvenienced. Because you're the priority at this point, God. Your priority has overridden selfishness to the point that nothing else matters. Where I'm not even thinking about myself because my selfishness has been overridden by my awe of who God is and what he's done. And when I'm in that place of awe, man, I'm like, God, here I am. What do you want me to do? And we need to put that into action. All of this is at the very heart of worship. It's a stirring that turns into a commitment and a commitment that turns into action. Now the stirring that leads to the response, man, it can be you singing corporately with your church family. It can be during a time of communion. It can be giving a financial or physical offering. It can be in your volunteering. It, you, it can be in you preferring another person over yourself. It can be you stepping out into something uncomfortable for the glory of God. Man, let me tell you, all of this all of this is worship, not just the singing part. All of this is worship. It's a, it's a response. It's a life lived with a heart that's captivated by the reality of who God is and what he's done. That's why it really makes sense to me when Jesus said that how can you say you love God who you can't see but you're hating your brother that you can see? He said, that doesn't make sense. That can't happen. Because there's something in us, it's hardwired, folks, that understands how we're supposed to interact with other people and treat them. And so how can we say that we love God who we can't see, that requires faith, that requires trust, that requires for us to be in awe of who God is. It requires so much more. We can much easier uh, be in awe maybe of a kind act someone does to me because maybe that's just, that, that's a little bit more real to us. And we haven't quite grown in our faith to be able to truly trust God. But, but even people that don't know Jesus can be appreciative of someone else that they can see. And he said, so how can you, being people of faith, how can you say you love God? when you're struggling even with your brother because you're hating them. So that shouldn't be. That should not be. That's not the way God has called us to be because he should have so captivated our heart that our life is lived to give him everything. 
So has God captivated your heart? That's the question this morning that I really want you to think about. And I know that the church, the Sunday school answer is yes. God has captivated my heart. My heart is his. And this is the, this is the bad thing about people. <laughs> and I'm one of them, so I mean, I'm a person, you know. The bad thing about people is that we like to memorize the answers and know what answer we're supposed to give. And if I ask someone, has God captivated your heart? Man, if you've been around church longer than five minutes and around Christian people, you probably would go, yes, amen, hallelujah, glory to God, praise God. Really? We know all the right things to say in a given moment. And we can turn it on, man. And that's so dangerous because we can fool ourselves. And we fool ourselves into thinking that we're really captivated by God because we know all the right things to say. I never see anywhere in Scripture where God said, hey, here's what I want you to do. Memorize all the stuff about me so when people ask, you can just repeat an answer. It doesn't really have to be from the heart. If you get the answer right, that's all that matters. Have you ever taken one of those tests in school? Do you remember like high school? where it's like the train test. Like if a train leaves Chicago at this time and it's gonna go over here and then another train leaves this time, then what did Sally have for lunch? You know, something like that. <laughs> and there's these ridiculous questions that, and you have to figure that stuff out. You can work really hard to memorize the answer and maybe some of you are smart enough to know those answers and how to break all that down and figure that stuff out when you were asked those questions on those tests. But you didn't care about Sally, you didn't care what she had for lunch, and you didn't care about the train or where it was going. But you knew the answer. You hearing what I'm saying today? You can know the answer. You can know what the answers are supposed to be without really caring. We can just memorize facts. We can even just quote scriptures and not really be captivated by God. That's a scary thing. And so I want to ask you today to explore this, evaluate this in your own heart. Not for my sake, but for your sake. That all of us should pause and ask ourselves, has God really captivated our heart? And what should my response look like? I'm not saying there's a cookie cutter response. All of us aren't going to respond the same because all of us have different lenses, filters, and life experiences. But whatever that response is supposed to be, it should be because God has captivated your heart. Some people look at Christianity as a way just to be right, and them being right has captivated their heart. And they're more, they're more concerned with being right and everyone else thinking they're right than they are worshiping God. Some people are more concerned with looking down on others, and they think that's Christianity. They think that's following Christ. And God hasn't captivated their heart as much as them being able to compare themselves to other people in order to look down on them and say, well, you know what, I've gotten all this figured out. Poor you. I really hope, you know, you do. Praying for your little buddy. Bless your little heart. Some people look at Christianity as a means to just get what they want. They think, oh, if I view God as this, like, karma-type Santa Claus figure, and I do enough good, and I'll be on the good list, and then I'll get all the things I want. And that's how they view God. And God hasn't captivated their heart. They're captivated by what they think they're going to get from God. There's so many things that we can get in these bad ditches. And we can get off of this road because we forget who God really is. And we forget what he's done. And we miss it. That's why the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, helps to realign my heart. Because we're all people who have the capacity and the ability to sin, and we can sin really, really good, but sometimes we think we're really spiritual when in fact we're not. Because a spiritual person at someone isn't someone who's memorized a lot of facts. A spiritual person isn't someone who can just give the Sunday school answer, who looks down on others, or who just looks at God for what he or she can get. But a spiritual person is someone who's in awe of God, of who he is. God, I, I, I'm just in awe. That's where it starts. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, taking God seriously and being in awe of who he is and what he's done and being stirred to a place of gratefulness. So are you grateful? Are we truly thankful? Paul said, in light of the mercies of God, 
In other words, because we are so grateful, it should be our natural response to someone who's actually grateful, not just someone who says they're grateful. You can tell if your kids are grateful for a gift or not, can't you? Like you can read that polygraph. You can see real clearly whether or not they're thankful. I remember one year for Christmas, all I wanted, I said, don't give me anything else, Mom, which is the way your kid is trying to just isolate all the other options so they can guarantee that they get what they want. Uh, I don't want anything else. All I want is this one thing. I was 15 years old, I think, that year. I told my mom, I said, I want a Game Boy Color. I loved video games as a kid. It was one of my, one of my favorite pastimes. And they, they came out with a Game Boy, handheld video game, and it was in color. There were like six colors on this thing. It was incredible. <laughs> and I wanted one, and it played my old games on my old Game Boy, so I was even excited about that. So I couldn't wait. I said, this is all I want for Christmas. And I asked Christmas morning. And if my mom comes up here to visit, you guys don't like shame her or anything over this. This isn't me like hating on my mom or anything. And if she watches this, mom, I love you. Um, it just makes for a really good sermon illustration. <laughs> I open up a box under the tree, and you want to know what it was? No joke. It was a cordless electric razor. I don't know if you understand 15-year-old boys or not, but there's not a whole lot going on in this region that requires an electric cordless razor. And I thought it was a joke. Thought mom was pulling a prank on me, but that's not really her nature, but I thought maybe she's trying something new. And for realsies, this was the legit gift that she got me. And I was so upset. I said, what, what, why did you get this? And she said, well, Derek, you're 15. You don't need to be playing with video games. I'm trying to prepare you to be a man. Really, Mom? <laughs> and then she said this, and this, this I'll never forget. She'll say it. She said, I bought the video game, too. She said, and it's in my room in the top drawer. And she said, if you want it, you can have it, and I'll take the razor back. She said, but I want you to make a choice. I'm like, this is the worst Christmas ever. <laughs> And I went and got the Game Boy. I went and got the video game. And I'm like, heck with this razor. I'm not interested in this. But the only bad thing is that there's only one day a year that Walmart is closed. And that's Christmas Day. So I had to wait a whole day before I could actually go get batteries, which she did not buy. <laughs> and there were no games that I had that were Game Boy Color games. So I had to wait till the next day. So I got to just look at it for a whole day with no batteries, with no nothing. But I gripped my teeth, I smiled at my mother, and I told her thank you. But I was not grateful. <laughs> I was, shocker, right? Like, I wasn't thankful. And, um, but I still said the words. And we have a tradition in, in our family, is that, and it's a weird tradition. Every time you open a gift, and it's like an unspoken rule, you have to go like hug people. And it's like a lot of hugging happens on Christmas morning. We don't just randomly just plow through gifts. It's like, thank you. And then after it's like, thank you, thank you. And you just hope you only get like three things for Christmas because otherwise it's like hug fest. <laughs> we don't call it hug fest, but that would have been a good name for it. <laughs> Jesus said this in Luke 12 and 34. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That means if it's important to me, if this really matters, if I say that it really matters, where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. If the gift is treasured, the response will be gratefulness. That leads to willing sacrifice, which leads to worship and thankfulness. It leads to a response to who God is and what he's done. Because I'm so grateful. And I'm so thankful. And my heart is so captivated. So where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So what is the thing that is worship that God wants from you today? What is the response that you should bring to God? Is it authentic? Is it sacrificial? Are you being stirred to action to do something. If you are being stirred this morning, 
in this church service, then you need to do something. You need to do that because that is worship. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of how amazing God is so we can return to being captivated by his mercy. And that's what we do here weekly at this church service when we sing. We're reminding ourselves to be captivated by his mercy, by his goodness, by who he is. That's what we need to do daily as Christ followers. That's what we need to do daily as lovers of God, where we say, here I am, Lord, I'm yours. Let my life be a song of worship by the way I respond to your goodness, by the way I by the way I treat other people, by the things I'm willing to do to advance your kingdom, by my willingness to commit to serve you, by the way I commit and connect in Christ-centered community, by the way I connect to other people at church, by the way I live my life, by the way that I deal with that boss that maybe isn't the best, by the way that I interact with that neighbor that may get on my nerves. Lord, me being in awe of you, it, it changes my response to those things. And now I realize my life is not my own. I'm going to go over to Mark chapter 12. You can follow along if you like. Mark chapter 12. And I'm going to read this as we wrap up this morning. Mark chapter 12. I'm going to look at verse 38. I'm going to read through verse 44. He said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces. They have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses for a pretense. They make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite of the treasury, and he watched people putting money into the offering box. And many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came, and she put two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. As we see that response, it was all. It was everything. There were people, those, the hypocrites, the Pharisees, they wanted everyone to see what they did. Look at, look, I'm sitting in the best seat in the house. Look at how much I give. Look at what I do. Look at how great it is. But someone who's really captivated says, I, I, I want to just give you everything. I want to give you my best. It may not be impressive to other people, but it caught the attention of God. It caught the attention of Christ, did it not? Where he stopped and he said, that's worship. That is worship. That's a living sacrifice. And I want to do something a little different today. Oh, oh boy. It's going to require four brave souls who have a Bible with them, even if it's on your phone. And I need four people who would be willing to read scripture in the microphone on stage in front of their church family. And I want them to read instead of me. I know I can read scripture. I get it. But here's the thing. Sometimes you just hear my voice so much and you're just pastors reading the Bible. I want to challenge you today to grow in sharpening yourselves and one another. And I want four people to read these scriptures to allow us to take a moment to think about it and allow it to stir our hearts to worship God, not just to sing. I don't want us to just sing, but I want us to make commitments to God today. I don't know what commitment you need to make to God today, but you either do know already or you're going to know, I believe, by the end of the service. I want us to grow deeper in our commitment to God and each other. I want us to grow deeper in our commitment to this local church body, to serving, to giving, to making ourselves available as a living sacrifice to God. This is our reasonable act of worship. When the stirring turns into commitment and that commitment turns into action, that's when it's worship. It's a response to who God is and what he's done. Valerie and Pastor Keith, you guys can go ahead and come out too. But I need four people. I just need you to, you can just come up here. I'm not going to make it weird, so you don't make it weird either. But I, I just need you to come here. I'll give you your scripture. Four people. I just need four folks. I got four brave souls. 
Anybody? Thank you. Thanks, guys. I need, need one more. All right, awesome. Just, yeah, come up here. You can use the stairs. Just. So, Nick, I want, I want you to get Psalm 100. You grab Hebrews. Here they are right here, Hebrews 4. I want you to read 14 through 16, John. Get Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, Bill. Get Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. And I'm having them do this for a reason. Not just because I wanted to just embarrass these folks. Because I don't, I, that's not my heart. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I want to show you something. <laughs> that's brave. Uh, he said that you can't embarrass us. <laughs> Challenge accepted, Bill. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. These folks being up on a stage, they're, they're not normally up on the stage all the time, right? And so them being up here is a stretching. It's not normal. And, and it's, a, it's a little uncomfortable. It's maybe some to more than others. And that's a good thing. Because I wanted to show you that people can be stretched to move outside of what's comfortable. To do something that they wouldn't normally do. But I want them to read these passages of Scripture because these passages of Scripture remind us of who God is and what He's done. And I want what they're doing to stir your heart to worship so you will be encouraged to step out and stretch beyond what's comfortable. So that you, like these four, will be stretched beyond what's comfortable, beyond what you would naturally normally do, so that your stirring can turn into commitment. So that there's action behind what God's doing in you because I don't want you to just keep coming to church to get stirred over and over again. I want you to be stirred to action, to actually do something for God. So can you guys bring, just bring that micro over here, would you, Val? Would you grab that? Is it connected to something? No, I want the stand too. I want the whole thing. All right, guys. So why don't you guys just go in order here, and you can go ahead and start playing, Pastor Keith. And when they're done, what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song together, and, and you can stand if you want to stand. You can kneel if you want to kneel. You can sit if you want to sit. We're not going to give instructions. Sometimes we're really bad in church about this. Everyone doesn't know what to do, and if no one says stand, then we're like, are we supposed to stand there? Are we supposed to sit? This is not what we're supposed to do. Throw what we're supposed to do out the window. Can we do that for a minute? Throw what we're supposed to do out the window. This is not about us corporately standing, corporately sitting, corporately kneeling. This is about you as an individual. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you catching the heart of what I'm trying to get across to you today? This is you as an individual. What is God telling you to do? What is he wanting you to be stretched to do? When the last person reads the scripture, then I want us to worship God together before we go today and give him our best. So allow these scriptures to stir you to worship. Go ahead, guys. Hebrews 4 and 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was in every sense tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us then come with confidence to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Psalms 100, a psalms of thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise unto Jehovah, all you lands. Serve Jehovah with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that Jehovah, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and we are his. We are, people, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Give thanks unto him, and bless his name. For Jehovah is good, his loving kindness endureth forever, and his faithfulness unto all generations. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, 
Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Ephesians 3, chapter, chapter, uh, pardon me, chapter 3, verses 20, 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. worship you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. Can we sing it together one more time? I'm coming back. I'm coming back to heart of worship where it's all about you. It's all about you. Lift up your voice. I'm sorry, Lord, for thing I've made it when it's all Oh, it's all about, it's all about you, Jesus. 
worship you, Lord. It is all about you. I pray that today that God has moved in your heart and stirred you. And that stirring has turned into action. And maybe you've made some commitments in this moment right now. Follow through on those commitments and keep doing what the Holy Spirit is stirring you to do. Because the Spirit of God is actively working in hearts all over this place. And I believe there's something beyond this moment God is calling you to. But you have the decision to make. Don't just keep stirring. No, turn the stirring into action. That, that is the heart of worship we're returning to. Just like those four brave souls that came up and read Scripture. They came up and read to stir our hearts, to challenge us to be stretched beyond what's comfortable, beyond what we normally do. We don't normally do that at Word of Grace if it's your first time here. But sometimes we need to be shaken to get out of that groove, to get out of that repetitive thing, to go, you know what? We, we have made it about something else. And God, if we have, we repent. We're sorry for that, God. We're sorry for making it about us ourselves. We're sorry for making it about whether we like the song selection that day or not. We're sorry for making it about whether or not we like the temperature in the room or not, or whether we like this chair or that chair, or someone sitting in my seat, or we've made it about all these silly inconveniences. Lord, we're sorry that we've made worshiping you about those things. It's all about you, Jesus. So I pray today that you will make that decision, whatever it is God's stirring you to do. And maybe you're in here today and you are being stirred to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. And you would say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. I, I just came here to check it out today. Or maybe you're watching online and you're, for the first time you're hearing some of these things and you're stirred and there's something you want to do and it's different than what you grew up hearing and it's different than what you have thought or experienced before. If that's you, that's the Holy Spirit of God working on you, trying to draw you to a place of receiving Christ. And all you have to do is simply respond and say, Jesus, I'm acknowledging what you're doing in me because that is him. He's drawing you to himself and say, Lord, I surrender. I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. And if that's you today, make that decision, whatever that decision he's calling you to. But I believe he's calling you to do something because you were here today for a reason. And it wasn't to just go through the motions of another Sunday church service. So Lord, I pray that we all leave this place radically transformed, radically changed by the decisions, God, that your Holy Spirit is leading us to make from the stirring that you've done in us. And let us follow through with that and continue to allow our lives to be a response to that stirring, that surrender, that worship. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.